When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Making news this afternoon is a report that I guess was an exclusive originally from TMZ that Elvis Presley's daughter, Lisa Marie Presley, had to be rushed to the hospital and was in the intensive care unit, supposedly went into full cardiac arrest this morning. A housekeeper found her unresponsive, and the word is now that uh, she is on some sort of life support and in a coma. She's uh, apparently in her 50s. Been married four times. She was married, in case you forgot, to Michael Jackson, Nicolas Cage. Uh, we now turn to the appearance in court today of Brian Koberger. This was in Moscow, Idaho. He, of course, is standing charges for murdering the four college students at the University of Idaho and uh, apparently showed up with some scratches on his face. Uh, Alex Stone, ABC News for KFI is covering this story and can give us more. Alex? Hey there, Ken. Yeah, it seems like uh, maybe the cheap jail razors uh, are not cooperating with them, that uh, you know, they, they give you the, the cheapo manual ones. It's not an electric brawn that he's using inside jail and uh, didn't go so well earlier today. So, yeah, we know this, uh, this trial's not going to be quick. Uh, he walked in today, orange jail, T-shirt on, orange pants, hair looked like it was 8 a.m., that he had just taken a shower, hair slicked back, but he had these bloody cuts all over his face, and the, the indicators we're getting that he cut himself while shaving this morning. Uh, did look like he was uh, clean shaven. It was a very close shave, but uh, maybe a little bit too close. And so now he was dealing with that. He's in a cell all by himself, so it's not like he got beat up. But um, came in, sat down. The hearing was really quick. Uh, it got going, sounded like this. This is State of Idaho versus Brian Koberger. Mr. Koberger is in custody. And He's the one matter of business uh, that they wanted to get right to was uh, when are they going to have a preliminary hearing, a probable cause hearing, which is going to be like a mini trial. Witnesses will be called. Evidence will be put out there. 
to prove to the judge that there is enough evidence that they've got the right guy, maybe, to, to then go to trial, um, and that, that Koberger is a potential suspect in this case, that, that he could be uh, guilty of the crime. Um, and his public defender said, look, we know in Idaho he has a right to have a prelim within 14 days. We don't want that within 14 days. He is going to waive that. And you know what? Let's do it mm, midsummer. What do you say? And then she really? put this out there. We are going to ask the court to set preliminary hearing out into June. We would request the third or fourth week of June. Third or fourth week of June. And uh, they said they think the preliminary hearing going to go about four or five days to call the witnesses. Prosecutors said, well, if we're going to go that far out, July would work better for us. And the judge said, well, let's try for late June. We'll figure it out as we get closer. Um, she had to confirm with Koberger, though, he's okay waiting that long and waiving his right to having a prelim within 14 days. If you waive your right to a speedy preliminary hearing, it does not mean that you're giving up your right to have a preliminary hearing. It simply means that you would not be able to come back and challenge that the state did not present probable cause within 14 days. Do you understand? Yes. And so they agreed, Ken, prelim uh, beginning June 26th, he will be remanded into jail without a uh, chance for posting bail until then. Likely at some point, they will set a hearing date for him to enter a plea. It would seem that it is going to be not guilty, being that he is going down the road of having a preliminary hearing and then a trial, and that, that they're not just throwing that out. Um, an attorney said that they need more time to look at the evidence, analyze it, go through discovery. But there is clearly a tactical reason here that in Idaho, this case has been everywhere. Everybody is knows about it. There's a lot of passion about it. People know every detail of what went on. That The longer, and we've seen it in Scott Peterson and in Michael Jackson, I mean, all of the, the big trials, that when a lot of people know about it, the, the tactic is to bump it out later and later uh, so people forget about details the passion goes away even if they change the venue to say boise or somewhere else that uh, people begin to not be as personally connected to it and have that that personal anger about it um, and it typically would work to the uh, benefit of the defendant and seems like that's what the public defender is doing here yeah i'm surprised they didn't even ask to move the trial to why well, don't they place. we haven't gotten that far yet they need to know there is going to be a trial because at least procedurally they could get to the preliminary hearing and the judge could say, you know what, the prosecutor didn't put on enough evidence. There is no probable cause to move forward and he goes free and it's over and police go look for somebody else. So that'll come up once the, the judge and I mean, 99.99% chance the judge is going to say there's DNA, there's the cell phone records, video surveillance uh, of his car in the area. Yeah, there's a pretty good chance that, that he was the killer. Um, and, and they move forward then to trial. But until then, the, the, a lot of that won't come up. And, and then we would expect they're going to say Boise. They're going to say somewhere else. They don't want it in Moscow. All right. Thanks a lot, Alex. Appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, Ken. All right. Alex Stone, ABC News for KFI. Taking a look at the Brian Koberger story. He did make a brief court appearance today in Moscow and has waived his right to the speedy trial. So it looks like we're going to roll into June before we get the preliminary hearing. And of course, that's when the prosecution will lay out in much more detail all the evidence they have. It's very circumstantial since clearly uh, there wasn't an eyewitness. Although I guess the roommate that saw him in the hallway and did give some description with the bushy eyebrows uh, was helpful. That's the really weird story of the surviving roommate who not once twice, I think three times, came out of her room because she was hearing unusual noises and may have passed Kohlberger 
in the hallway as he was trying to escape. But, you know, for a criminology student who seemed like he wanted to pull off the perfect crime, I mean, if this is the first time he murdered anybody, that explains a lot of his mistakes. You just heard uh, Alex uh, talk about the cell phone records. Apparently they can ping his phone to the area of the murders, and it looks like he even came back to the scene of the crime, perhaps because he realized that he left the knife sheath behind. A tan leather knife sheath was found. They have not found the actual knife used in the murders, but he left the sheath behind, which may have fallen off wherever he had it clipped to his belt or something like that. And uh, they did identify male DNA on the button clasp, which was linked to Koberger. So I see the defense explain that one away. And as we've mentioned many times on the show, there's just video everywhere you go now. There's, it's hard to escape, and that's where they picked up the white Hyundai Elantra that he was driving that they were eventually able to track through all the registrations. They were able to track the possibility. You know, you put that together with the cell phone records, and then eventually they did all the investigating with the DNA through the family tree and his father and the trash. Um, yeah, some say he made a mistake. He should have ditched that getaway car as soon as possible, even though they could still have traced a Hyundai Elantra to him. But um, there's also a report that he did talk to a neighbor after the murders in the state of Washington about the Idaho murders and said something like, I believe it was a crime of passion, but they don't have much. Well, little did we know. I mean, that's one of the bigger stories of this case, that the Moscow police... FBI, everybody else involved in this made us all think they didn't have a lot and that they were perhaps incredibly incompetent or there just wasn't much to go on, whereas they were pretty quickly onto this creep uh, through their processes. It was probably painstaking to track the car and then to track the DNA, but they certainly were on this guy's case. And of course, they were surveilling him uh, for some time before they arrested him. So, uh, he did a, a horrible job of trying to get away with uh, the perfect murder, if that's what he was trying to do. All right, coming up next, you'll have a chance at $1,000. We will reveal a keyword. You follow the instructions, and maybe you'll win. John and Ken, KFI, AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app, coming up after 3.30. Well, in years past, we've actually gone up to the Antelope Valley, up to the desert, because sex offenders were being dumped there. L.A. County, L.A., the city of Los Angeles and the county often uses that as a dumping ground. Remember the pillowcase rapist got put up there in a home and the people up there don't like it. Why are we the dumping ground? Well, you got more room out here and you got less people to complain about it. What about homeless people coming up there from the city of L.A.? Lancaster made a move with a motion and the latest city council is Palmdale uh, opposing. Los Angeles, moving the homeless up there, maybe in a mental health facility or some other type of housing. We'll talk about this with a Palmdale City Council member after the news at 3.30. But don't dump on us with your homeless problem. Speaking of which, we mentioned yesterday the story of a man in San Francisco by the name of Collier Gwynn. He owns an art gallery and boy... Here's a video that went viral because it turns out that a guy that runs a bakery across the street whipped out his cell phone and it showed Collier Gwynn hosing down a homeless woman on the sidewalk. And of course, without any other information, the world was aghast. 
which is why the video went viral. This poor old woman being attacked with a hose. Well, you dig a little deeper into the story and you find out that Collier Quinn was quite familiar with this woman. Apparently, she's been hanging around on the sidewalk there for some time. But, you know, the update to the story is that the police are investigating this. So is the San Francisco attorney's office. They're investigating this as like some kind of assault, assault with water. I, I, she had to be hospitalized, but that's because she has mental health problems. And, and here's another kicker. We now know her name. The homeless woman is Q. Yeah, that's all we get is a letter. Q was nowhere to be found yesterday afternoon, by which point the glass door of the art gallery had been smashed. A board placed over the hole as a police car lingered outside. I understand that there is frustration, according to the police chief, Bill Scott, and there's an impulse to act. Right now, what we need is civility. I think some people, and I'm surprised this happened in San Francisco, are, are beyond that. And hosing somebody down isn't like you smashed them with a baseball bat or shot them with a gun or stabbed them with a knife. Dear Lord, they're acting like this is like the worst, most horrible thing that could ever happen. Uh, Gwyn told the Chronicle in San Francisco, this built up over time. She would turn over garbage cans. She would leave her possessions on the sidewalk. She was occasionally belligerent. She provoked him by refusing to move because he was trying to clean the sidewalk from her and everybody else's filth. I mean, we're talking about a city that has a crap app, literally, where you can find out where the worst spots are in San Francisco for, for human feces on the sidewalk. So he's just trying to do his part by protecting his one little spot of sanity outside his art gallery and cleaning it up. And we got this crazy woman constantly uh, acting belligerent. So uh, it says that apparently she was known to drift around, if you know the neighborhoods of San Francisco, North Beach and the Financial District. Um, doesn't seem to be hanging out with anybody. She survived by eating restaurant handouts, sleeping in doorways. Everybody's aware of who she is. We've been trying to get her the services that she needs. Oh, and here finally comes a, a quote of sanity. Uh, the reality is she needs conservatorship. And that's the word that I've been repeating on the show time and time again. The rules on conservatorship are so tight that it's impossible in many cases to use them. But, you know, in theory, it's someone who cannot take care of the basics for themselves. And I think living in garbage in your own feces in the street and acting belligerent and screaming out in tongues, I think is how uh, Gwyn put it, that she doesn't make any sense, is somebody who needs conservatorship. This is the process of forcing people who suffer from severe mental illness into psychiatric treatment or placing them in the care of a guardian. But apparently the burden of proof is extremely high. California law allows a court-appointed conservator to compel care only if someone's, and the term they use is gravely disabled. You know, half the homeless people I see in their filth in LA and other parts, the, to me, they look gravely disabled. I mean, by definition, if you're living outside like that, you're gravely disabled. But, oh no, the bar is much higher. Critics warn that those who are conserved can be stripped of their civil rights with authorities and caregivers often failing to pursue less invasive options. Well, it seems like nobody's pursuing any options. 
this woman's been wandering around that city for some time now, and this guy simply asked her to move, and she wouldn't. So he gave her a nudge with a hose, right? I, it's because the whole history of hoses and people just overreacted to this. Uh, Jennifer Friedenbach, who's executive director of the Coalition on Homelessness. That's right, the Homeless Industrial Complex. Um, she actually agreed the city's conservatorship process is too cumbersome. But she also says the city lacks mental health services, including housing for people whose erratic behavior might prevent them from congregating with others in a group shelter. That's another thing. You take them to a shelter, they don't want to be there either because they're whacked out of their minds. Somebody else is around them. They don't want to be together, this crowd of people. Uh, she said a typical uh, pattern is that someone has manageable mental health symptoms and then they're homeless for a period of time and then because of the trauma of being homeless, their symptoms become debilitating. Well, yeah, and that's when you need conservatorship. You get this woman into a place where it's warmer and where she can get some sort of drugs and mental health treatment. Why is that so impossible? Oh, because of their civil rights. And as we mentioned on this show many times before, this go back to people believing, oh, we're going to house them in horrible mental institutions, right? It's going to be one flew over the cuckoo's nest all over again, and it's going to be terrible and nobody will care about them. Clearly, there's a large infrastructure of people who do care about them. Make sure that that doesn't happen. That's all I ask. All right, when I come back, We'll talk to a Palmdale City Council member who says, L.A., don't dumb your homeless up here. The new mayor, Karen Bass, apparently said a few things during her mayoral campaign that there might be room up in the desert of Los Angeles County and Palmdale and Lancaster for perhaps the homeless people to get the treatment that they need. And they're saying, you've already dumped sex offenders up here. going to be dumping homeless people, too. John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. John's got a day off. He'll uh, be back tomorrow. Well, uh, we've talked a lot about uh, homelessness, uh, particularly in L.A. County and L.A. City. We have a new mayor, Karen Bash. She's got this Inside Safe initiative. She says they're going to be going out there with the troublesome encampments and getting the homeless people off the streets and into some kind of shelter. It's usually hotel rooms, from what we understand. We've been watching a couple of projects, one of them in Venice that they've been working on for some time where they claim they've taken dozens of homeless people out of their encampments and into some type of shelter. She's promising just, I guess, a more aggressive approach to the same situation as outreach people go there and talk to them and figure out what they need and where they can send them. But anyway, when she was running for mayor, she talked a bit about um, where there could be a place for homeless people. And um, it was implied, or maybe she said it directly, we'll find out now when we talk to a Palmdale City Council member, that maybe uh, homeless people might be sent up to the Antelope Valley, the desert, places like Palmdale and Lancaster, where there might be some mental health facility that can treat them. It's all part of L.A. County, so something like that could, I guess, be worked out. Uh, we're now uh, going to talk to Austin Bishop, City Council member in District 1 for Palmdale because they passed a resolution saying, don't do that. Well, we'll find out the details. Welcome to the Johnny Ken Show, Austin. How are you? Good, good. Um, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. So I, uh, tell me what the basis for you guys addressing this issue was. What, what did Karen Bass say or imply? Or, Well, yeah, I think originally the discussion 
started when when she first said that she wanted to move people up here, but um, people in L.A. don't really understand what the climate is like up here in the desert. The winters are extremely cold and summers are extremely hot to where it could actually be deadly to be living outside during these conditions. Just last night, it was, I believe, in the 30s. Right. Uh, Was there anything specific, though, that she said about Uh, because I remember this too. It came up in an article that maybe this is a place where we could put them in some sort of mental health facilities. The county is severely lacking with anything to do with treating people for mental health problems. And maybe she was just throwing something out there that that might be a place where we could build something. It it sounded like it because I haven't seen anything substantial that would allow for that as far as facilities or even in the budget or having heard any kind of discussions about any possible solutions. So uh, some of it might be political promises. Um, that's from what I've seen. It's just, it just doesn't seem to be any real solution there other than just saying like, Hey, we've got empty space out there Yeah, and uh, let's stick them out there. So the know, resolution or- was said that you're, you're opposed to her using emergency powers to create a homeless village in the Palmdale area. Is that what it specifically says? Yeah, and, you know, the council, we actually didn't pass anything yesterday. Uh-huh. Um, we are still working on crafting the language. The, the council is still figuring out a way of how do we want to present this. You know, oh, well, tell that everyone- to City News because they put that you voted unanimously on a resolution. I guess not, huh? No, <laughs> no. And then I, I just double checked with our city manager before even getting on the phone because I was quite positive that we didn't because during the meeting, a lot of us were trying to craft the language of how do we want to address this? Do we want to get very aggressive or do we want to come in with more of a soft hand approach and 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 show that, like, look, we, we want the problem to have resolution just like anyone else. But how do we want to present it and say it? So. I think we're all in agree- we're, we're all in agreement of how we feel about the situation, but just not how how we want to sell it, so to speak, or how we want to declare it, if that makes any sense. Have you had any communication with Bass's office about any ideas along the lines of taking the homeless from L.A. to Palmdale or any kind of discussions? I, I personally haven't, but I know some of my colleagues on council have, and they have uh, made it very clear that she has no intention to do that from what they're saying. Her, her, her office or her directly said they'd have no intention of taking homeless people from L.A. to Palmdale? From, yeah, from what I was told, like her directly said she had no intention of doing that. Right. Well, so, I mean, one of the reasons we, we, we're following this story is we know from the history here that often the county uh, ends up dumping like sex offenders up there in the desert into houses. Uh, Palmdale and Lancaster are, are known places for these guys that get released from prison for offenses like sexual assault and they end up putting them in in places in in your communities yeah there's just one that was put in little rock and and they call them violent sexual predators that was put in little rock and and i think the guy was actually from a different county he came from san diego i believe and we we fought it so hard you know a lot of my myself and my colleagues went out to schools and neighborhoods we put signs up we we contacted our our state legislators and, and everyone we could and begged them, please don't put this man out here. And uh, sure enough, they did. 
Well, you guys probably have your own homeless situation with people there. I don't see why you would right. have to be a place where L.A. could move some of their homeless people there. Yeah, every every area has its issues. Um, we're not immune to it. It's just the fact that, we, you know, being a smaller city, we only have a certain amount of resources to deal with it, unlike a major city that has a ton of resources. So it's just, you know, we don't have any problem taking care of what we have here, but we're already – getting sorted on, on tax revenue and resources and, and our fair share, our fair shake. And I think anybody that lives out there, lives out here, can see that and understand that. So to add I'd... more on top of that is just, is just making the problem worse. Sorry, so you didn't pass a resolution, but you are working on something. We're, we're working on something. Um, it's either going to come back at the next meeting, next meeting or the meeting after for the way, you know, for the way we're going to present it. Right. Um, but either, either way, I mean, we're all in agreement that we don't want this to happen. We don't want anybody coming out here and being relocated out here. It's just, we, we can barely handle what we have. I mean, it's... Yeah. If it did, it would probably come through the county. I guess you have Supervisor Barger. Isn't she your L.A. County Supervisor? Yes. Yeah, she is. And, and, and she's doing a good job helping us, you know, with the representation and all that. I mean... It's an uphill battle no matter what we do. But the fact of the matter is, is that we need to start talking real solutions here and just not shifting these people around like their inventory. Because that's just, it's really making the problem a lot worse when you start doing that because areas get their funding based on the amount of homeless they have. So if they're going to move them around, they're going to say, oh, this area has this much. They're only going to get this much funding. So we're only getting a little bit of funding based on the fact that we had a low numbers being reported to to the to Lawa or Lhasa. Mm-hmm. Lhasa, yeah. Yeah, Lhasa. And if they're shipping them up here, we're still getting the same amount of funding. With more people, we're going to have to keep helping. And that's just not – it's not sustainable. And what really – what was the breaking point for me, so to speak – because right before Christmas, uh, we are going to do a state of you know the same thing, the state of emergency, or we're going to do the resolution, the posing, and all that. The council decided not to. Mm-hmm. We wanted to see what this what it did. We wanted to really get a better understanding of what declaring it does. Even seeing how it's more of just a a political stance saying like, Hey, even if this isn't going to do anything right now, we're taking a stand against yeah. this. Oh yeah. You have to do that. So, so yeah. far it looks like she's putting people in hotel rooms and I haven't heard anything about the uh, Antelope Valley, but we'll keep an eye on that. Well, thanks for talking to me, Austin. I appreciate it. There's one more thing I wanted to say. Yeah. So the reason it came back because December, we thought we were good. The reason I requested this come back to this meeting is because over the holidays, we had a person show up in the Antelope Valley that has no ties to the Antelope Valley, break into City Hall, an unhoused person during Christmas, because it's cold outside, they broke into City Hall, and they lit the Christmas tree on fire to stay warm. Jeez. They burnt down the, the uh, Chimbole ballroom, the fire sprinklers went off and damaged a significant portion of the building a person that we can't figure out what they're doing out here. 
So we know with that, they're getting up here somehow, most likely to Metrolink, because the Metrolink is only a half mile away from City Hall. Yeah, that'll do it. All right, I just got to go. But I, yeah. I appreciate okay. you talking to me, Austin. I'm just out of yeah, time. No but uh, we'll keep an eye on this. We may have you back on. We see how this progresses. Okay. Yeah, All right, that's definitely. Austin Bishop. He's a city councilman, uh, District 1 in Palmdale. And uh, they're, they're, they want to send a message that Los Angeles' homelessness should not be sent to the Antelope Valley. Uh, Lancaster already took an action to say, we oppose this. You're not going to import your problems up here. More coming up. John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere. The iHeartRadio app. We're now on from 1 to 4 p.m. And uh, if you cannot hear the show live, then you can just pick it up through the iHeartRadio app or the website, kfiam640.com, the podcast. Um, Let's talk about the story that, of course, making headlines all day long, giving people that cover this kind of crap, the vapors. And we, uh uh-oh, more classified documents were found in possession of old Joe Biden. Well, in his garage. I better check my storage shed. I probably have some, I think we all probably have some federal classified documents. And of course, the humor of all this is that they're chasing after Trump for having classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. But it turns out this is the second batch of documents found in Biden, some old office he used after he was done being vice president, had some documents, and now in his garage where apparently he said, because I keep my valuable old Corvette in there, you know, a classic car, and it's locked. I mean, what was the risk? I, Pete Ducey from Fox News had a back and forth with Biden about this subject. Nothing beyond our capacity if we work together. So God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President, thank you, thank you, Mr. President. Mr. President, classified, classified material... Next year, Corvette. What were you thinking? <laughs> Let me, uh, look, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier God this willing. week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay, oh, so it's not like you're sitting out in the street. So yeah. But anyway, yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, but as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. I also said we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department's review. As part of that process, my lawyers reviewed other places where documents in my, uh, of, from my time as vice president were stored, and they finished the review last night. They discovered a small number of documents of classified markings and storage areas in file cabinets in my home and my, in my, my, my personal library. This was done in the case of the Biden Penn. Uh, th- this was no. done in the case of the Biden Penn Center. The Department of Justice was immediately, as Sounds was like done, he's reading. the Department of Justice was immediately cl- uh, uh, no- notified, uh-huh. and uh, the lawyers arranged for the Department of Justice to take possession of the document. So you're going to see. We're going to see all this unfold. I'm confident. Yeah. Wait a minute. Thank you very much. I'm leaving. Uh, His attorney general, Merrick Garland, then appointed some guy named Robert Herr as special counsel to investigate all the classified documents. It's a real lot of hoopla about nonsense. All right, Tim Conway Jr. Hey now, hey now. There he is. Hey, you know, Ken, I'll bet you have a garage for your car. Is that true? I do. Okay. How many times over the last 10 years have you turned back and gone back to your home to see if you actually shut the garage door? 
Probably like, I don't know, 10 times a year I do it. Probably it happens, yes. Yeah, right. And, and also... Except, Tim, I have an app. Oh, you have the app. So does Crozier. Crozier has so the app. So it says you, door closed. You, I don't have to go back or look back. Okay. I bet that the Bidens don't have that app. <laughs> That's a good bet, yes. Okay. I would bet they don't. Plus, it's the least secure uh, space in your home. There's no alarm on the garage door, that I imagine. That is true. Yes, it is. And right. anyone can get in there. Uh, I just saw a story today. There was a theft out of somebody's garage down the street from me. We've had a, we've had theft in our garage. We've yeah. had, uh, you know, because you go to shut the garage door and you leave before it totally closes. Then a stray cat runs between the beam and it opens again. And then you come back on, uh, you know, Monday and it's open. It's been open all weekend. So. They stole your stash, huh? Yes, they stole it. But look, if you could steal everything in my house, you get about twenty five hundred dollars. Twenty five dollars, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I seriously, I, I can't spend any money on myself. Anybody else, I can't, but on me. Uh, Corbin Carson's coming on tonight. That guy's great. Uh, he'll talk to us yeah. about the uh, Anaheim uh, bulldozers, a seedy uh, motel, and we'll ask mm-hmm. him uh, why that happened. Plus, we have uh, uh, um, Dean Sharp is coming on with us. Oh, Dean Sharp, part. that's great. Yeah, he's the best, and an LA Times writer. Uh, who is pretty good, right? Uh, Jamie Ding. She wrote an article that shares her findings with job scammers. And Dana, who is one of our producers, nearly got scammed when she went to apply for a job. I think it happens all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Look, I, I, mean, I reverse scammed. I scammed KFI into giving me a job. Yeah, I know. So, Look at that. It's how many years has this lasted, too? You know what? It? It'll be, it was 13 years uh, two days ago. Wow. Do you believe yeah. that? That's longer than you were at the FM station, right? Yeah, I was there 12 years. Yeah, That's, 12 years oh, there. Just and, barely, right? And, uh, and 13 here. But well, you've you, really kept this going somehow. Uh, it's, uh, you know what? I, I don't change stories. I just change audiences. <laughs> <laughs> Ding dong. Yeah. How long have you guys been here now? Uh, yeah, we don't like to talk about that okay. too long. <laughs> <laughs> Way too long. Okay. Then you're talking senior citizen. Anyway. All right. Oh, John will be back good. tomorrow. Ken Ding dong. KFI AM 640 live everywhere. The iHeartRadio app. Michael Crozier has the news now. Go. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. 
so it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear, so before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 